You're listening to OEA Grow, a member-led production of the Oregon Education Association and a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. OEA Grow is by members for members. In Season 5, members discuss behavior with Alexis Hennessy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 5. I'm Alexis Hennessy, your host for this season, and today I have joining me two awesome um, local colleagues. I happen to have the pleasure of having worked with both of these fantastic folks in recent years. I've got Talia Akri and Anna McNeely with me today. So around around here, I, I'm getting the feeling that for the most part, um, it's districts or folks are pretty lucky when they're able to have social workers on staff um, in their schools. I'm, I'm getting the sense from people that I'm talking to that it's not as common necessarily no. here. Um, and so I guess then the question becomes what, you know, how how do we see what have we been hearing from our general ed colleagues or special ed colleagues or um social work and counseling colleagues around like how how is mental health showing up in schools and then if there isn't a social worker in your school kind of what what role can the teacher play what role can the folks um in the you know guidance department play how how would a social worker potentially address that problem and what are things that are still within the realm of being an educator um that if you don't have a social worker at your um location or within access that that you know educators can still do that would at least be a step in the right direction i i think honestly um there's someone who's going to be in the role of case manager in the school there's always going to be someone hopefully in your school who is at least a support person that you can bring into the room if it's something heavier something like a suicide assessment so know in your school like who who handles things like threat assessments suicide assessments because there should be someone in your there might be a school site or a um counselor yeah like you said or Mm -hmm. vice principal even someone who you can go to when it's those bigger questions, even sure. someone who can uh, support you when you're having your mandated count or mandated um, reporting or things like that. Reporting. Um, sure. If it's something that you're looking for in terms of like most districts have some sort of, if it's not a social worker, someone who's doing some kind of like um, houseless services coordination. Oh, like McKinney Vento. Yeah. Like um, someone who's handling those kind of things for the district. And if you can figure out who that is, then they'll know a lot of the resources in your community for where you need to go. Otherwise, like I can tell you resources for Portland and, you know, the outlying suburbs in terms of like street routes, which has like tons of resources on their website about like places you can refer your students if you need if they need support in terms of like healthcare or, um, you know, if they are houseless and they're youth or all these different areas that they could go to. Um, I don't know as much about like Eastern Oregon as I probably um, should, to be honest. It would be interesting to kind of do more of an assessment of what's going on in Oregon. I'm, I'm curious yeah. actually what the mental health um, landscape looks like over there. I have one girlfriend who works in Redmond, but it's more like a school like that we do. Sure. Anna, um, what about you? Because you work in a different setting um, than, than Talia does. What, 
you know, what would you say to the educators that you work with if a kid is presenting um, kind of with something that they might see as within the mental health behavior realm, or maybe even scares them, like a kid tells them or discloses something to them, and they don't know, what are my next steps? I don't have a social worker to go to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I feel like the cool thing about social work is that it, it is a little bit of like a jack-of-all-trades um, mm -hmm. type of mm -hmm. type of role. And so, um, you know, being – I'm a social worker first and foremost, but I also like – I do counseling. I do the behavior mm -hmm. piece. I do the 504s. Like I do – I have a bunch of little roles. And the school district that I work in is pretty small. Um mm -hmm. But I feel like, you know, if you have like a school psych, if you have, if there's your special ed teacher, like go and talk to those people because I feel like everybody always has um, either somebody have, they have information or they have resources or they know somebody that knows somebody that does. Um, and so I feel like it's about like creating somewhat of a team, even if you don't have like all the people that in all the roles that you want, because realistically you probably don't. Um, but it's finding it's, it's creating some type of little team, um, is really important. Um, yeah. It's, and just, it's funny. I feel yeah. like that, that speaks exactly to how I have such a strong kind of social work leaning in my, in my special ed practices, because I did come up with a, um, a number of phenomenal um, LCSWs who worked in schools with me. And I just soaked up all of the, mm -hmm. the like random bits of case management stuff that they, that they shared with me over the years. And it truly is just kind of almost like a clearinghouse of like, yeah. oh, there's this resource and there's this thing, and this mm -hmm. is who I can connect you to. And I think you're right, Anna, that even in districts that don't have someone who is, you know, has the title of social worker or carries that those letters, LCSW, right? Like that um, there's always someone, there's always someone who becomes that, that hub. And yes, they may not have some of the clinical background to do some of the more therapeutic interventions, but there's always that person who sort of tends towards being the, the clearinghouse of all of the the resources, the connections, the referrals, the programs, the little secret tidbits of information. And, um, you know, historically in my career, I've found myself aligning with those people so that I can soak up all of those little bits of information. <laughs> I did meet, fun, Alexis, you know, I mean, <laughs> always, always social workers are always the best. Um, I, have, um, I one, also think, sorry, Oh, go ahead. I just, I wanted to put this out there too. Two on one is a statewide um, mm -hmm. number and you can always call two and one to get referrals to different things. And then they just came forward with nine, eight, eight, which mm -hmm. is now the new emergency number. It puts you straight in contact with the, um, national suicide hotline, which is amazing. Would you like to know what I learned about nine, eight, eight though, what? just so that folks out there who are listening, um, I, like I said, I'm a transplant from, uh, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And so my cell phone number is still a Connecticut area code. And what I've learned is if you call 988 from a number that has like a non, for instance, local Oregon area code, you will actually be connected with um, a, a it'll ping off of like being a Connecticut um, area code and will connect you to. So I ended up connected when I called it somewhat recently to um, the Connecticut services line. Now, not a problem. They were able to like do the peer mentoring part and the the, the de-escalation piece, um, which was not what I had called them for. But they, I did ask them eventually because 
that's who I am. So like, well, what would have happened if I was someone in crisis and I was calling 988 for myself? Um, and so they did explain that they would have still provided the the de-escalation pieces and, you know, the the maintaining contact pieces and would have made the connections, but it doesn't activate your local services. So that's really good for our listeners to know that if you are going to dial 988, it should be from a local area code in order to get attached to your local services. That's really interesting. I'm so glad I just learned that from you. Yeah. Yeah, that's there a lot you learned, learned by using, right? <laughs> so, so you can also uh, find your local share. behavior interventionist or specialist or, you know, consultant <laughs> <laughs> if you need support. But I think each county also has a um, the like Lines for Life or what's the mm-hmm. name? The, um, Youth mm-hmm. Line. Is it Lines? For- that's right. I'm sorry. Youth Line. Is, is, Youth line, yeah. yes, correct. So I think county websites, like the Oregon.gov um, website for each county, I think yeah. has a mental health kind of crisis line on it. So certainly if 988 is not, um, if you don't have a local area code, then that is certainly where you could find that information. And those um, are- I do think it would be great to link for people some of the resources you talked about, Talia, and also each um, some information on the McKinney-Vento, um, mm-hmm. which is the Homeless Education Act, for those mm-hmm. of you who don't refer to it by uh, McKinney-Vento. Um, oftentimes those people, Talia is right, if there's not a social worker or someone in that counseling role, those people often have a lot of local referrals and resources um, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll be able to offer you something. And also calling those crisis lines, you know, if you are a educator, a teacher, um, and you need support for a student or something like that, they're not mm. going to be upset with you for calling a crisis line. That Those are also places that you can call to get um, support if you are trying to help someone else. So we do that a lot. I think that's a great, I think that's a great point that as educators in the classroom who may be the first or only point of contact for this learner, mm-hmm. right? That um, what we know is that when learners, particularly when learners put, um, you know, because some of our listeners are community college professors or folks, some of our listeners are um, instructional assistants, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes these folks have really tight relationships with the the learner that they're supporting, regardless of the age. And mm-hmm. you might be the only point of contact where that student is sharing these really deep, um, you know, connected feelings with you. And what you choose to do with it is really kind of a make or break point sometimes, right? You mm-hmm. might be the only person they're sharing those feelings with. And so, you know, I think it's, it is so hard to to say, I hear educators saying all the time, you know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not, I'm not providing counseling to them. I can't do therapy in my classroom. And I think that's a really valid um, statement and perspective, right? We're not asking educators to provide therapy. We are asking educators, however, to be the the funnel, the catch, right? To 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 be that point of contact and to really grow their own skills in how to connect these learners to the right people so that those people can provide the therapeutic services that those kiddos need. Um, And I wonder how we build confidence for our classroom educators, maybe our non-special education folks, our non-kind of behavior-oriented folks. Um, What what do we tell them to do with that kid that's in front of them? The kid who kind of shares that deep, dark secret in that, you know, moment when they're having lunch with their favorite teacher or or hanging out at inside recess because they don't want to go out in the, you know, smoke fill there or whatever it is. What do we, what's your um, support to those educators when that kid does share kind of that, that big thing that they don't know what to do with? How do they react and what do they do next? I, I honestly think if it's... Um... Obviously, if it's a safety concern, the the, the um, 
spiel that I always give my um, students is, you know, it's all confidential unless you tell me that you're going to hurt someone, hurt yourself or someone's hurting you. So if it's any of those things, you absolutely need to reach out and get support for yourself and that child, right? If they disclose to you someone's hurting them, if they say they're about to hurt themselves, anything having to do with safety, that is just reach out and get support. Even if you feel like they're going to be upset with you, it's always better to do so. And our kids are smart and know that when they tell an adult something like um, this bigger like that, that it usually goes somewhere, if we're going to be honest. Um, with that said, uh, if it's not something like that, if it's something like my sexuality or if it's something like, um, you know, I am thinking about having sex with my boyfriend for the first time, these kind of these issues that maybe feel like they're big things that they just shared with you and it feels really heavy that um, you've ha you've gotten this like, I, I think of it as an honor when a kid chooses to share something like that with me, but um, it can also feel overwhelming. I, I really honestly, this sounds so simple and a little Pollyanna, but the simple act of just being an ear and being able to listen. And I know it's, and I, I know we're sitting here with um, teachers feeling like they're in an awkward position and they're not therapists and nobody's, nobody wants a teacher to feel overwhelmed in that way. With that said, I think we all can sit here and think of a teacher who has profoundly affected our lives. That's like everyone in the world, I feel like, right? Not even just people who have become educators, but like everyone has some educator who is really important to them. And so let's mm -hmm. not pretend that teachers haven't always been more than just teaching us A, Bs, and Cs. Teachers have always been True. profoundly important to children in our culture um, in True. more ways, in social emotional ways. And they've often been the calm in the storm, especially before there were therapists in schools, right? That's who you went to. Mm -hmm. So, um, this is always going to happen and it always has happened for teachers. And I, my advice to everyone, whenever there's someone telling you heavy or profound news, is if you don't have something that you know is a good thing to say, then just don't say anything. Just open your ears up and, you know, even saying something like, I'm so glad you shared with me is a pretty beautiful and um, amazing thing for a kid to hear, especially when they've come out with something really scary and important to tell you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I love that you, you said that it feels like an honor when a kid chooses to like share something with you. And I feel like if you can look at it through that lens, even if on the inside, you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, like what just happened? Why did they tell me that? Like you're freaking out. Like, like make choosing to, to recognize that like this child obviously trusts you or they wouldn't have told you that. Um, and that is such a special thing to have the trust of a student or a trust, the trust of a child. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, like there isn't a perfect thing to say. Like, yeah, yes, there are absolutely things that you should not say probably, but there isn't necessarily a perfect thing. Like and a lot of it's, I don't know, kids are just tiny humans. Like they're all, like, we're all human. Mm -hmm. We all like to be listened to. We all like to be validated in how we're feeling. Um, yeah. And you can validate feelings without validating their actions or their, you know, like <laughs> whatever they're saying, but you can validate feelings always. Um, yeah. And so I, I feel think like someone once, 
Yeah, I agree. I I feel like someone once um, taught me, and I um, I don't remember. I think it was probably the social worker that I worked with in Connecticut before I moved here. But um, so I'll give her credit for it for it. But I am not one hundred percent sure that's who that's who taught it to me. Um, but she had taught me at one point to respond to some of those like those big wow moments that the kids share with like, um, would you like me to listen or are you hoping I can help you with that? Oh, right. And that, that has stuck with that. me. Mm-hmm. Isn't that epic? Like it's so good, good because sometimes too, right? I mean, as I've, yes, now that I have kids, um, <laughs> for sure, that's absolutely, I'm like, did you want help with that? Or were you just trying to leave it with me? Yeah. Um, but I feel that in my in my core, right? Because there are lots of times where I walk into somebody's office and I just want to leave something with them. Like I'm frustrated about something, an interaction I just had, a way I responded to a student, and I just want to leave it with that person and be like, okay, I'm good. I'm walking out. I'm done, right? Um, and just needed to know that like, the world was not going to crumble when I said those words mm-hmm. um, versus like, no, I'm coming to you with this thing because I, I want you to help me with it. Um, and I think that we often don't value just just asking directly the kids like, hey, thank you so much for trusting me with that. And also, like, were you hoping I was going to respond or offer you help or did you just want me to listen to what you wanted to share? And, you know, Talia, aside from what you shared around you know, if you're going to um, be a harm to yourself, a harm to someone else or someone is hurting you, yeah. um, that that it's okay sometimes for them to just share something with you and not be ready for your help or action steps and to just need to leave it in your space um, in order to, to go about the rest of their day. Um, and I think that I don't think educators are empowered enough to to feel confident being that space where kids just leave some of their big things. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you both for coming and hanging out with me today. Are there any parting thoughts that we didn't already talk about or you just really wanted to highlight from today or just anything you want to say to any of the kind of listeners? We probably have some pre-service teachers. We probably have some instructional associates. I don't even think we talked about like educational assistants and instructional associates and the crucial role that they play in Mm -hmm. perceiving kind of mental health needs in our learners. They're often just that first point of contact that that sees it long before even a case manager or teacher does. But is there anything you want to leave our listeners with today? I think my, the only thing I would want to leave in this just kind of uh, popped up in my head when you were talking um, it, I want people to trust their gut that if they feel like something is too much for them to hold or something is scary or they're worried about that kid, don't hold on to that. Even if it does mean taking the kid in, you know, getting someone to, to cover your class for a little while so you can take the kid somewhere and make the call with them to a sure. suicide hotline or make the call with them to DHS or whatever it needs to be. But um, trust your gut that your um, intuition, you've been around kids long enough, mm-hmm. if you've chosen this profession, that your intuition um, knows what it's telling you. And please, you know, reach out if you need support. Sure. I love that. Yeah, I would add on to that by just saying that education, especially right now, is a really hard place to be. Um, yeah. And So to know that you are all doing amazing and also Mm -hmm. to take care of your own mental health as well. Oh, for sure. And petition for social workers in school. 
<laughs> That's right. That's right. We only need a hundred signatures. I wish. I wish it was that easy. I wish it was that easy, right, man? If we could only just say like a hundred signatures gets us a social worker in every school, that'd be amazing. I mean, but um, I agree. I think more more social workers, more better. I mean, we um, we didn't even get to to talk about collaboration across providers, right? And mm-hmm. so as a behavior team and, you know, school psychologists and, and occupational therapists and speech and language pathologists and really wrapping around the child as that whole team with the mental health yeah. perspective is so powerful. So tap into those folks for sure as well if they have kind of mental health lenses that they can bring. Um, y'all, it has been a pleasure to hang out with you tonight. I always enjoy hanging out with you, but it's it's even more fun when we get to do things like um, podcasts together. So thank you both for taking the time. Um, and to the listeners, Um, Please remember to make room to take care of yourself, to rest, relax, and regroup, um, and then come refreshed for your learners every day. It's been lovely chatting with you both. For more OEA professional learning opportunities, visit our webpage at grow.oregoned.org.